Is it possible for a person to lose their story? I want to welcome you to episode three of God Size Living. Uh, this is a podcast dedicated to discovering and really leaning into, I mean, living into the story that God has written for our lives. In today's episode, I'm kind of excited about this. We're going to talk about some things that I, I don't think we think enough about in the church. Uh, I really want to come around three things today. Uh, and the first thing I want to come around is stories. I've always been fascinated by the fact that cognitive psychologists teach us that in any given hour of any given day, our minds are so active, we think about, you ready for this, 5,000 thoughts, about 5,000 thoughts an hour. So the question is, what what are you thinking? Like right now, if I could jump inside of your head, what are you thinking? Part of what goes on in our minds, cognitive psychologists uh, teach us, is we create these little tapes, these, these, if you will, cognitive loops that are stories that we tell ourselves over and over and over again throughout the day. Some of those uh, tapes, some of those stories that we tell ourselves are actually about ourselves. Uh, I may say to myself, look, I, 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 I feel ugly. Uh, I feel fat. Uh, I don't feel like I fit in. Uh, I'm, I'm not as intelligent as other people. Some of those stories are, are not positive. Some are positive. Some people would think, you know what, I feel good. I feel good about myself. Uh, I, I feel strong. Um, so whatever your story is, what we have to know is these stories have tremendous power. They impact us emotionally. They impact us relationally. Uh, they impact the way that we go about finding meaning in our lives. So again, what what are the stories in your life today? The second big thing I really want to come around is not just stories, the little stories we tell ourselves each day, but something that I'm going to call the story in our life. Now, social scientists have a word for this as well. We call it meta-narrative. All of us have one. What is it? A meta narrative. Well, remember the Greek word meta means uh, to, to go across or to transform. Narrative means story. And, and so, really, your meta narrative is the story that crosses over and into and really informs all of the other stories that are going on in our life. It's the big story, it's the one that tries to answer the big questions of life. How did we get here? How did this earth get here? What does it mean to, to, to live? What does it mean to die? Uh, is there a life after death or is, is death just an end? Uh, again, your meta narrative you carry around with you. Uh, it's been formed and shaped uh, over the years. And again, it has tremendous power when it comes to finding meaning and, and trying to understand who am I and, and what is my life about. Uh, so I, I want to ask that question. What is your meta narrative? Last thing I want to come around is back to this question. Is it possible? Sounds kind of weird, but is it possible for someone to actually lose their story? I, I believe that as, as formed as our meta narratives may be, um, they're constantly under attack, as are the stories that you're telling yourself about yourself and about this world right now. 
We're going to be jumping now into uh, Daniel chapter 1. We're trying to use his story to really gain some insight into ours. Um, when you get into Daniel, let's, let's just stop for a minute and remember this. Remember that we're looking at the story of a, of a young man that takes us all the way back to about 605 B.C., where this tragic moment has happened in the life of Israel. Remember that Babylon, uh, a neighboring nation, has come into Israel, come against the city of Jerusalem, and struck a major and decisive military battle. I was reminded of this the other day, that when it comes to military strategy, uh, the Babylonians had a very unique way of doing war. They called it genocidal warfare. Now, here's how it worked. Again, they would strike a, a, a military battle, but they wouldn't stop there. Um, they would go out and out into that nation, and they would begin to find uh, some of the brightest and some of the most handsome, some of the most beautiful young people from that nation or from that city, and they would bring them back into Babylon. And this is really how we meet Daniel. Daniel grows up. He grows up in Jerusalem. Uh, he knows his story. Uh, he's being taught who he is, what life is about. He's a Hebrew. God put us here. God made this world. God created this city to be a light to the rest of the world. Our, our purpose and meaning in life is derived from being in a relationship with this God who loves us and then taking the love of that God out and into this world. Daniel grows up with that. And in one moment, in this moment of military defeat, uh, he is taken from his home. He's taken from his city. And everything that he's ever known, everything he's ever believed is now put at risk. And his story is going to be challenged like no other. Um, I want to read this. <clears throat> I'm going to read uh, Daniel chapter 1. We're in verses 3 to 7 today. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, the ESV. But I, I invite you to read uh, out of what whatever version you want to read. Uh, here's the story. It says, Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, and endowed with knowledge, understanding, and learning, competent to stand in the king's palace. So in other words, again, genocidal warfare, we're going after the gene pool. We're going after the, the best and the brightest. That's, that's Daniel. That's uh, his three friends, uh, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. Uh, they, they fit this. They're, they're um, some, some of the, the brightest kids in uh, the city of Jerusalem. We go on, it says, teach them now the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. And they were to be educated. This is interesting. They were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. 
and Azariah he called Abednego. Of course, some of us remember from our Sunday school, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who go into a fiery furnace, but that's a little bit down the road. Here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice what the Babylonians are doing. They're doing three things. Number one, they are going after the youth of a nation. Why the youth? Think about this with me. Of all the people in a culture, who amongst those people have the most malleable stories? That's a youth. Youth are just forming their stories. They're just forming their meta-narrative, just beginning to understand who am I? Where do I fit into the world? What does it mean to live here in this country? What, what is this country about? It's, it's being formed. And so if I want to change your story, what do I do? I go after youth. Uh, by the way, side note, I've been thinking a lot about this uh, over this last year and a half during the pandemic. We've lost a lot of lives here in the United States, but when you look at the demographics of loss, they're skewed pretty heavily towards old people. And I've always said in, in any culture, the, the old people are your story keepers. They're the ones who know. You know, we sit down on grandpa's knee and he tells us stories about the Depression or World War One or World War Two. And when grandpa's gone, those stories are are kind of lost a little bit um, in America today the story keepers uh, by by a large margin are the ones who we're, we're losing and so I think we're going to have to work really hard as a nation uh, as a people group to retain the stories that have made uh, our country what it is today so just notice that's the first thing that the Babylonians are trying to do. The second thing I want you to notice is they begin to, to do what I'm going to call story replacement. Story replacement. So notice the words in this scripture. They, they take Daniel and his three companions and they begin over a three-year period to teach them what? Babylon's story. This is who you are. This is what it means to be a part of this nation. This is who we are. These are who our gods are. This is what happens when you die. They're, they're taking what has been uh, the meta-narrative of these young people and exchanging them for one that is thoroughly Babylonian. And then the last thing I want you to notice is to, to really complete that cycle. They actually give to these young people new Babylonian names. You know, when Daniel's parents named him, there was something a little bit prophetic about his name. Uh, if you remember with me what the word Daniel means, uh, in Hebrew, the word Dan uh, means judge. If I put an I on the end of it, Danny means my judge. And the last part of his name is El, E-L, which means what in Hebrew? God. Put it all together, uh, this young man is named, God is my judge. Well, the Babylonians don't want that, so what do they do? If that's part of your story, your name, your, your heritage, we're going to take it away. We're going to give you a new name, and your new name is going to be Belteshazzar. So Bel, the first part of that, that word, Bel, was one of what? It was one of Babylonians, gods. Uh, Bell the dragon, the dragon god. 
Um, you see dragon statues all over the place in Babylon. Now, Bel, the dragon god, now he is your god. See what's going on? An, an exchange of stories. And what it does, it comes up underneath it, and it really raises this question for the day. Is it possible for someone to lose their story? And I'm, I'm just going to step up here and say, I've seen it. I've seen it. It's a number of years ago, a family came to me, and their daughter was in pretty deep trouble. Uh, they had they had gone through some hard things with her. In her high school year, she started stealing and stealing from the family. She had run up like a $20,000 bill on their Visa card before they discovered it. They were devastated. Well, she was getting into drugs and not not inexpensive ones. She had started with methamphetamines and graduated to heroin, and it was just destroying her life. She ran away. And uh, to make this story a little bit shorter, she ended up on the streets. She discovered that she could sell her body to buy drugs. Uh, when she had clients, so to speak, she would have a place to sleep at night. And when she didn't, she would not. She was eating out of garbage dumpsters. And her parents reached out to me, would you, would you help find and, and talk to our daughter? And so I began that process, and I'll never forget the day that I met her. Uh, she was filled with paranoia, uh, part of the, the response to the drugs that she was on. We sat in a subway shop. I bought her a sandwich. And we just began to talk. And I noticed something about her uh, as nervous as she was, as paranoid as um, really just out of it as she was. There's something inside of her that God continued to just hold on to. And at one point in our conversation, uh, th this is the scene that just is burned into my mind. I looked at this young lady and I just said to her, do you remember when you were a little girl? And you would go to Sunday school, and you would sing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know. And I mean, I spoke those words, and tears welled up in this young lady, and she began to just weep. She had lost her story. She'd forgotten who she was, what, what she was put here on earth to be. And she had found herself in a, in a pretty low place. It took three years. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It took three years for her to regain her story and to remember this is who I am. This is why God put me here. I think that God put the story of Dan here to help us think about the stories going on in your mind right now. What are you telling yourself about yourself, about who you are, what, what, what you were put here to do? What's your meta-narrative? And I want to leave you with a couple of questions today because I, th I think that's really what the scriptures do. They, they help us really think about our lives and our relationship with God and one another. And the questions that I want you to think about is, is what about your meta-narrative today? Is it solid? Is it biblical? Uh, do you feel like you're, you're standing on the right ground that, that your story of stories is aligned with what God has taught us about why we're here? about what it means to be in relationship with him. And then I want you, most importantly, this, this second question, to spend some time on this this week. Where is your story under attack? What lies 
is our enemy. Our enemy is not Babylon. Our, our enemy is very really a spiritual ent entity. It's a fallen angel named, named Lucifer, Satan. He tells us lies. And I really believe that, that a lot of those tapes running in the background of our mind have been literally satanically impacted so that we're telling ourselves lies about ourselves, about our work, about what, what makes life meaningful. And uh, just as Babylon tried to take uh, Israel's story away and exchange it for another one, how is that happening in you right now? If, if we could get real quiet, what are the lies that you're listening to, that you're telling yourself? And then the last thing that I, I want to just share with you is how do you retain your story when it's under attack as ours is as Christians in our culture uh, regularly today? And I believe part of that is just staying in a rhythm where we are reading stories like Daniel and getting God's story into our life. Well, that's it for today. Um, I hope this has been helpful. We're going to pick up uh, next week with the next section of Daniel chapter 1. Uh, if this is helpful to you, I hope you'll rate this. I hope you'll leave some comments. Definitely share this podcast with someone else. I can't wait to see you next week. Until then, God bless you.